0: Hi, this is Dad Stories, and I'm your dad, Tom Noodla. Hi, Dad. I'm your adult, non-binary child, Eden Noodla, and this is a podcast where we share stories from our childhoods. We're here for another
1: episode of Dad Stories, where we're going to compare and contrast how I remember growing up versus how you remember growing up.
0: I'm looking forward to diving in today. Uh, What story did you bring today, Dad?
1: Well, today... I have a true horror story. It's called Monster's Grave.
0: Ooh!
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You may remember me describing our backyard. The back of the backyard was a hill that went down to a wooded swamp. The swamp was constantly changing. I mean, in the spring, it was flooded with melted snow, so it was all water. By midsummer, it was a mud bog, and in the fall, it was dry enough that we could walk around in it. Uh, In the winter, it was usually uh, covered in ice due to a continuous winter cycle of snow and then melt and then freeze. Some winters it would freeze uh, well enough that we could actually ice skate back there. Once late in the winter, uh, my friends and I wandered back to the swamp and it had frozen over and we wanted to see if it was safe to walk on. So our method for testing the ice was fail safe. First thing we would do was we'd slowly walk out onto the ice. Sometimes we would hear a few deep ice-cracking noises, which for some reason didn't scare us. If it seemed safe, other than those noises, well, then we'd move on to the next step in our safety check, where we would jump up and down on the ice, and if none of us fell through, the ice was safe. You see what I mean? (laughs) Fail safe. Perfect. So on this occasion, we, we decided we wanted to check to see how thick the ice was. So to do that, I got out one of my dad's hammers and a screwdriver, and began to chip away at the ice. Eventually we broke through and made ourselves a nice little ice hole. What happened next caught us by surprise because when we looked in the ice hole, we saw swimming in there dozens of little creatures. They were white, they were thin, they looked like a loose ball of string. And that caught us completely by surprise because we never thought that anything lived in that swamp water, and we definitely didn't know what this was. So naturally, given that we were in sixth or seventh grade, We concluded that they were carnivorous water creatures that survived by consuming human flesh.
0: Ah, yes, yes, of course.
1: You know, later we found out, much later we found out, that they were insect larvae. But nevertheless, I scooped up a bunch of them in a jar, hoping to keep them in my room as pets. And they were all dead within a day. It turns out, I didn't have any human flesh to feed them. (laughs) So that spring... We had a terrible wind and thunderstorm, and some of the neighbors said that we actually had a tornado go through. Um, a few days after the storm, we discovered what the storm had done to the swamp. Uh, one of the biggest oak trees in the swamp had blown over, and it was a huge oak tree, and so its, its branches and everything took out dozens of smaller trees. So lying all over the swamp, on their sides, were these trees. These trees. And they were just a foot or two above the water, and as we investigated the damage, we came to realize that these fallen trees created a maze of bridges that allowed us to walk all over the swamp without getting wet. But the really cool discovery was when we got around to this fallen oak tree, which was in the middle of the middle of the mess, and inspected that. And what we found was at the base of the root of the oak tree was a root ball that stood up about eight feet high. It was a small mountain. And that wasn't the best part because we went down the trunk and we scaled that root ball, that mountainous root ball, and we saw when we looked over the edge was it was a sheer cliff that descended down into a deep, dark black hole that was filled with swamp water. I mean, it was too cool. The immensity of this root ball in the hole just struck us. Mm -hmm. This place needed a name. And we were used to naming things, but we weren't real creative about it. (laughs) As evidenced by our names for... The field, the hill, the swamp.
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: It was too special for us to handle that. It required a special name, and we didn't want to blow it, and we knew we needed help. So um, turns out Earl had a sister who was two or three years older than us, and she was a bit of a tomboy. We got along okay, and we were far enough apart in age that we didn't really mingle much, but we did a little. She, she had a sense of the macabre. She knew lots of ghost stories. She taught us gory songs like, My Bonnie Has Tuberculosis, and <laughs> I'm Looking Over My Dead Dog Rover, and Great Green Gobs of Greasy Grimy Gopher Guts.
0: <laughs>
1: we we kind of figured that she'd be the right person to know what to call it. Mm-hmm. So we brought her back to the fallen oak tree, and we were right. She recognized the significance of her find. We climbed up to the top of the root ball so she could look over the precipice into the deep, dark swamp water hole. She stared at it a while, not talking, and then she asked if she could look at it at ground level. So we guided her around to the end of the hole so she could look back at the hole and at the sheer cliff that made up the bottom of the root ball. And after a short inspection, she looked at us and she said, I know what this is. It it wasn't a root ball. She said it was a headstone, a humongous headstone that had fallen into disrepair and sunk into the ground over time. And in fact, the oak tree had grown over it. And the storm, when it knocked over the tree, freed the headstone. The hole that it created was actually a gravesite a grave site for something really large, possibly a monster. Mm-hmm. And what we were looking at was actually a monster's grave. And, you know, by the way, since the monster was no longer in the hole, it was probably alive and lurking close by, and a monster that had been lying live underground for centuries was probably hungry, so we'd better not hang around there too long. Also, she was pretty sure there was quicksand in the swamp, so she advised us not to fall in. Well, we liked her story. We loved the name, Monster's Grave, and no one paid too much attention to the hungry monster or the quicksand part. So time passed, and we got used to playing out in the swamp around Monster's Grave when disaster struck. We'd gotten pretty good at walking along the tree trunks, and there were treacherous places, especially when we had limbs sticking out that we had to walk around. And I had fallen behind my friends and was running along a tree trunk to catch up, and I slipped and fell in. <clears throat> yeah. And as I fell, things began to happen in slow motion. It it seemed to take forever to hit the water, and you know how you hear stories about people in bad situations see their lives flash before their eyes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I didn't have that. Instead, I just saw my future. I saw myself hitting the water, where I would be partially devoured by the carnivorous swamp creatures, and then what was left of me would be would sink into the quicksand, and no one would ever find me. That's what I saw, <sighs> and those thoughts. Those thoughts served to sharpen my senses. I had to get out of that water as quick as possible. So when I hit it, I spun around and reached for the tree trunk as quick as I could, and I grabbed, I grabbed it just as the water reached my waist. But I could still feel my feet sinking into the sticky mud. I think it was the quicksand. Mm-hmm. I pulled myself out of the swamp water fashion I'd fallen in. My friends had heard the splash and they came back for me. I was already out of the water. I told them what had happened. They looked concerned. Which kind of surprised me. My shoes were covered in mud, my pants were wet. They asked, could I feel anything biting me? Did I hit quicksand? And I told them I was all right. And they told me they didn't want to play with me anymore and that I should go home and change my clothes. (laughs) Oh, no. Take a (laughs) shower. Just in case any swamp creatures might be still in my clothes. I mean, they made it sound like they cared for my well-being, but I think they didn't really want any swamp creatures that might be on me to get on them. Mm-hmm. So I left, and I worked my way back across the fallen tree trunks and climbed up the hill to my house, and my wet pant legs were making a scraping noise as they rubbed against each other and with each step, and my wet tennis shoes squeaked every time I stepped. I just made a complete racket. And unfortunately, this presented a new set of problems. I got to take a side story here my, my friends my friends and I regularly lived on the fringe of of good behavior <laughs> and in the murky areas of behavior that we sometimes wandered it was it wasn't uncommon to go too far and because of this we had developed two universal rules one was don't get caught and the other was don't get told on interestingly history had taught us that the way we usually got caught was to be told on And since all any of of my friends ever had were sisters, uh, those consequences happened quite often. So my sisters represented a new set of problems for me because I knew they were in the house watching TV. And to keep from getting caught slash told on, I needed to sneak by my sisters and get to my bedroom. But I was making too much noise. So the first thing I did is I took my shoes off while I was still outside. I knew they would hear the squeaking. And I hid my shoes in a plastic bag and put them in the garage so no one would see them. Mm. And to keep my pant legs quiet, I tried to walk bow-legged through the house, you know, on my tippy toes. Mm -hmm. And even though I look stupid, stupid, it worked. And I got got to my bedroom, I got out of my wet clothes, showered, and then dry clothes, and things were looking pretty good. And I actually walked around barefooted for a few days, hoping my tennis shoes would dry out. And that is when I learned a lifelong lesson that I hope I've shared with you. Uh Wet tennis shoes hidden in a plastic bag do not dry out. Yeah. Rather, they get moldy and smelly, with emphasis on smelly. Mm -hmm. So out of ideas, I thought I could throw my shoes into the front door closet where they might have a better chance to dry out. (laughs) It it didn't work. No. No, when my mom got home from work that night, She smelled those shoes right away and found them in no time flat. And I was watching. I knew my time was up. I was sure I was going to get caught. She was going to start asking me lots of questions about the shoes and would find out everything. But luck was with me. After a long day at work, my mom showed no interest in finding out what happened. She threw my tennis shoes in the washer and then in the dryer without saying a word. I think she must have had a bad day. You know, and I should, have, I should have picked up on that and maybe asked her how her day was or if there was anything I could do for her, but I didn't. I had survived a terrible fall, carnivorous swamp creatures, quicksand, wet pants, muddy shoes, sisters, and my mom without getting caught or told on. I didn't want to press my look.
0: Uh, well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Now <laughs> that's a horror story. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh, just the really a hero's tale, truly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you ever
1: accidentally fallen in a puddle of water or a lake or a stream? Oh, oh heck yes. Yes, I have.
0: Have you? Oh, many times. One time in particular, really like it wasn't so narratively beautiful but it did happen in slow motion where it was in massachusetts behind grammy and grandpa's house and there's this huge puddle with like a just a wonderful stick across and it was the middle of winter so i was all bundled up and like there was like a little bit of ice over the big big puddle and i was like yeah. i can go across this and there was this branch so big fawn tree over puddle with a branch that stuck up And I gingerly walked, and then all of a sudden it started slow motion tilting, and I, like, go to, like, grab for the branch, which just ultimately just kind of locked me into my fate. Like, instead of, oh, just try to run across quickly, instead I was just holding onto this branch, Mm -hmm. um, and got dunked, and, uh... Oh, man. Oh, man. It was, it was, it was not great. Um, and then I've been pushed into several lakes, but... That is probably my most uh, vivid because it was cold and horrible right and so right that was uh, but no carnivorous bugs in this particular puddle that you know of that I know of yeah could explain a lot. <laughs> so what happened did
1: I mean I don't remember the story so did did you uh, go back up to the house and yeah
0: yeah yeah and I took a bath and I was like grumpy and it was and then it was fine. Um, the, this story actually reminded me more so not of me, but the pond that I kind of grew up on, but more that my friends grew up on. And then I kind of joined in more in high school, but there was a kid who every year at the Thurston pond would try to be the first one to skate on the pond every year. And so right when it was just frozen, would, would go out. And there are several times where he fell in because it was not it was not ready yet right that was probably kind of my big pond adventure stories were playing ice hockey on that pond growing up yeah real fun yeah Mm -hmm. I remember that I remember that what I want to hear more about um, Earl's sister what was her name Linda Linda Uh,
1: Linda yeah Mm -hmm. I just remember that it seemed like once it hit dusk then it'd be like time for a ghost story you know, <laughs> and she knew him. I mean, she knew him, so <laughs> uh-huh. it was pretty. She was a pretty interesting person for us to have. And, and the fact that somebody that was, you know, that much older than us was willing to spend time with us was always, you know, I mean, you know, as a little kid, when an older kid will pay attention to you, you kind of like that, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, oh, for sure. And I don't recall us having any troubles convincing her to come out and see our discovery in the swamp, you know, I, I think that, that she was naturally curious about that too. There was no struggle. It's like, come along, you know, if it was like a lot of times with your brothers or sisters, they're like, nah, I'm not going to do that. You know, I don't want to do that, but I don't, I don't have any memories of that at all. So.
0: Well, it sounds just like, really like, it was such a cool experience. Like I just have this vivid image of, big swamp with all of these bridges of trees and just the like magical environment that that would create for a kid like I want to be there I would like and I see Monsters Grave and I just love this um I mean when I was growing up make-believe was what I did during recess, that me and my best friend Naomi would play these, like with just the stakes would be so high too, which is like I was really identified with this ah, uh, yeah, those are alien, carnivorous, human flesh eating, and there's quicksand, and this is a monster who's great. Like uh, when we were, we once did a make believe game where we were bees. That had been scorned by—I think scorn's is the right word—by the queen bee, and had been replaced by uh, step sibling bees, <laughs> oh, and yeah. it was just this like epic political battle on the playground of trying to regain our rightful place on the throne. <laughs> it's just like I, I feel like uh, kids have this these complex worlds that are uh way more i don't know mature than maybe we give them credit for yeah so i want to ask you a question
1: about monsters first i'll share mine Mm -hmm. and i was deathly afraid of there being a monster in the house Mm -hmm. and we had a kind of a heating and cooling system that would rattle Mm -hmm. and every time it rattled i thought that monster was coming up the stairs or whatever you know i thought the only safe thing i could do was to hide under a blanket Would you be interested in sharing any experience like that that you might have had?
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Because I I know that you know this one. Uh, Because when I was about five, like, I don't really remember having a big, like, conception or fear of monsters until Camilla in my kindergarten class was like, hey, I got visited by a monster last night, but it was okay because I fought them off with an axe. And I was like, learned a couple of things. One, monsters were real. Like here was a confirmed sighting. Two, I needed some way to fight them off. And I had no way to to do so. And so I went home, I think really distraught and was like, mom, dad, monsters are real. I know, I know, I know, but stay with me. Um, I need an axe to keep by my bedside to fight off the monsters. (laughs) And you okay. guys are like, no, no, we're not gonna do that. And I was like, ah! I remember just. Um, but what you did do, and um, I still tell this story all the time. but you for our nighttime routine, you would come in and scare the monsters away and the monsters live in the closet, Of course, of course, of course. Uh-huh. And you would come in to well, good night, good night, good night, kiss, 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 go to the closet, you know, the door's open. Scream Ah and then slam the closet doors <laughs> to frighten away the monster. <laughs> and I think I mean I think we did that like we did that way after I like I was done being afraid of monsters. I like I remember doing I, I that so. um at least at least through my like double digits maybe not my all my I mean like maybe two ten. Um but it was very special and it definitely made me feel care made me feel cared for certainly i did i wasn't bothered by monsters although that being said to this day i do have a problem sticking my feet out from under the blanket cuz there's just a little part of me that's like something's going to grab, grab it that's <laughs> 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 probably healthy it's probably healthy yeah, you, know, you never have... know i mean now my now i have a mattress on the floor so like it's a little bit easier but Still, sometimes you just never know with these things, right?
1: Right, it could be one lurking
0: around every door, every corner. Self
1: preservation is not a bad, um, instinct, you yeah. know. Well, now I have
0: a cat too, and the cat will come for your feet, so like it was just all training for this. Now,
1: <laughs> so uh, I have another question for you, yeah. So, I also mentioned in there that this whole dynamic. Uh, with my sisters about getting told on, mm-hmm. I, I don't have any recollections from my experience as a parent. But but what are your memories of of that kind of dynamic growing up, getting told on or getting
0: caught? Yeah, the thing was is that when I was growing up, I remember having like a really strong sense of right and wrong. Um, <laughs> And remember I remember that. I would love to tell you I'll, I'll I'll follow up with the story about that. but um, I was had a really hard time with like things that I thought would get me in trouble, which we probably could talk about where or how that happened. I don't I remember but that being said, I definitely got in tr- I definitely got in trouble. And if I was gonna get in trouble, it probably would have been with um my brother with Bobby, um where he. And I would fight and, like, get into big fights. But even that didn't happen much. Bobby and I were pretty, like, in our own separate worlds. We were really close in elementary school, but it was always... I really really loved him. I remember bragging a lot about how much... How good my brother was compared to my other friends and their relationships with their siblings. Uh So in that regard, it was very different. And if anything, like, if I think if I had done something that I thought was wrong, I probably would have told you all because it probably would have just torn me up. It, like, not in this way where I thought I w- you guys were going to punish me, which, like, maybe is a testament to you, but rather in this way of, like, if I did something wrong, it was probably eating me up. Um, and, but, I mean, y'all didn't... Y'all weren't really... I don't remember getting punished a lot. Like, I remember ruining the bathroom once with Alice and there was no way that I was going to hide that. <laughs> not get caught right right (laughs) so that is very different than um this experience that you had um i did not have a relationship where i was worried about getting in trouble in this way
1: okay well that's different that's a little different yeah you had mentioned briefly about going exploring outdoors do you do you have any other strong memories of of doing that on your own
0: uh, Definitely up at the cottage was the biggest time that I had access to a large amount of wilderness that I could somewhat explore on my own or with someone else. And I remember um, there was a a big tree falling story that that huge tree fell in the woods. And I remember climbing a lot on that. I was very into survival like survival tactics and techniques and so what i would often do is go out into the woods and try to build a fort Mm -hmm. um and i did that you know during the winters i would build um snow forts and during the summers i would build uh wood forts and they uh, were generally always much more elaborate in my mind than they ended up being in practice the idea of creating a shelter and then being able to take shelter and hide from the elements and from potential dangers was very intriguing to me as a young person.
1: Yeah, I've got a, I've got a future story about about that about building a fort. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I remember that I thought you guys did that I I don't think I ever could have done uh, was you played that game up there called Ghosts in the Graveyard.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that was a huge one. I mean, like, I was thinking, when, as you were talking about ghost stories, it's like, oh, I don't remember ever telling ghost stories. But instead, whenever Twilight came, we'd play Ghost in the Graveyard, which was not a fun game for me. I that no? was never, no, I was not a fan. But um, no, the idea of like, hide and go seek and tag, which is basically Ghost in the Graveyard is a combination of those two things. The idea being that It'd be nighttime and everyone would go and hide and there'd be one seeker and the seeker would try to go out and find people and tag them. But in some sort of period of time, everyone had to make it back to the porch or, or the safe zone before getting tagged by the the ghost.
1: I just remember you guys running into the woods in the dark and I'm like, man, I never would do that. Uh, yes. You, you did it.
0: We did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I definitely remember I had Oh, geez. Oh, dad. Oh, I did something way worse. You don't know this story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sitting down. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, so in high school, we played the, like, expanded version of Ghost in the Graveyard, where, uh, me and- we'd have two cars, so this is after we're driving, and- Two cars, two teams, and then you would switch one person. And the idea is that like within an hour block, you needed to go and take the other per the other team's person to as remote a location as you could get to, drop them off, ideally somewhere where they didn't know where they were, and then they would have to call the other the other car, try to like locate where they were, and then whoever got back to, you know, home base first, one. Yeah, it was very. It was an unsafe game, but I tell you what, there were a couple times where I was in the middle of some deep woods, and I was like, "Well, no idea where I am." And this was like pre GPS, but you know what? Uh, here I am. Here I am today. No, no casualties from that particular game. Yeah. No, I d- I feel like uh, the woods in the dark, full of full of fun, full of surprises, full of uh, noises, full of creatures. It's very exciting, full of adrenaline, thrilling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go, adrenaline. Yeah. Does that Does that story concern you? Did I do bad? I <laughs> uh, actually, no. I mean, I, I actually think it's kind of a cool, cool <laughs> game. I
1: mean, you can, you know, you, you guys made it. I mean, what, what you know, we, yeah. we don't need to go back and revisit all the problems. Why that that. <laughs> Glad you made it. You know, had some experiences <laughs> with it, and and thank
0: goodness everybody came out alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, what are you going to do? Punish me now, Dad?
1: E- exactly right. I mean, if you if you were even worried about that, you wouldn't have shared it with me. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is kind of funny you bring it up because my generation jokes about that. It's like, what things will you tell your parents now that you wouldn't have told them when you were a kid? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so this one falls into that category. Definitely right? for sure. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. do you want to talk a little bit about childhood singing
0: oh yeah because you talked about learning the songs from uh uh from linda yeah and for sure and i feel like um did do you know if she made up those songs or if those were like kind of a folk because i feel like there is a folklore quality to children's music that is beautiful and also dark i mean i think about um like ring around the rosie as this like horrific plague song (laughs) and when i was growing up certainly we had our own uh bastardizations of children's music that would be horrific like i think about we had a versions horrific versions of the barney song like i hate you you hate me let's all go and kill barney <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> mm-hmm. which feels yep. very akin to our go for guts and our tuberculosis having bonnie's
1: yeah so, so, so exactly the same thing so like my bonnie has tuberculosis was actually sung to the tune of "My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean," which, when we were kids, that melody was—it it wasn't from our generation, but it was from our parents' generation—but it was still very common. You'd hear them as—you'd as, hear that tune as jingles and commercials. I'm looking over my dead dog Rover was—I'm—I'm I'm looking over a four-leaf clover, and that fell in the same category where it was a—a a, a, a ear-catching jingle that had a real song to it, and then kids. Took and did what they did to it. Now, <laughs> you're you're right to ask, you know, because some people did write their own songs, but but um, a lot of times people would modify the words. And I remember my friends and I did that a lot. I mean, and you kind of heard that even when I would be singing. So I mean, you know. Um, oh yeah. Do you remember Black Beauty? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that, I mean, that was Black Betty, right? We would say, whoa, Black Beauty. You know, Black Beauty, the book. But it was actually from Black Betty, the rock and roll song from when I was a kid. And then, you know, the great one, right? The um, the uh, Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog. Do you remember that song?
0: Oh, I reference that on a regular basis. That was, I mean, But you didn't come up with that as a child. You came up with that when I was a child, right? Yes, yes. yes. But, I
1: mean, that's what I'm saying is that it actually carried a lot of those things into my adulthood yeah. in terms of changing the lyrics to songs. Do you think we could
0: get a, um, a think we could get a little little audio snippet of uh Jeremiah was a bullfrog kids edition? Um I you know I I'd love for
1: to hear you sing it.
0: Oh, all right. I see. I see
1: and you goes. have to sing the whole
0: thing just where it goes to. Oh no. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um let me see. I'll pull it together. <clears throat> Jeremiah was a bullfrog. But he was a good friend of mine. I never understood a single word he said but I helped him to drink his juice <laughs> and he always hits a mighty fine juice uh, and, and do you remember
1: the line where it goes you know he, I love the children they um, love
0: to have their fun they're a teeter totter riding they're a nap taking fighting like the hot dogs on a bun <laughs> yeah, that's right I forgot about that one <laughs> Oh. So yeah, so I mean,
1: we can have a lot of fun with that all the way through on these songs. I I shouldn't say whether Linda wrote them or not, mm-hmm. um, but we learned them we learned them from her. And I actually looked up the lyrics to "Great Green Gobs of Greasy Grime and Gopher Guts" before we do this, did this episode. Oh yeah, and I found a lot of versions. Uh, yeah, I, I actually found some back a background story to it. Oh, um, which I found compelling because. This was a song that was invented by kids at summer camp. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at summer camp, food the food you get is notoriously bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And even if it's good, no kid is going to say it's good, right? Yeah. That's not what kids are like. Mm-hmm. So
0: it was a camp food song. Makes sense. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I see that. That's funny. I love this idea, too, of, like, kids... A kid will also never say it's good. Like, it is not of the culture um, to talk about how great the food is at camp. Exactly. Yeah. I actually got in trouble at, with that. Um, I once did a, like, a travel camp as part of Scouts where I was... Go- we went to several other, other Scout camps as, as a big, like, kind of tour of Scout camps in the Midwest. And yeah. we were at this other camp and, like at the one that I was on our side of the state, you know, we had hole latrines. The pool yeah. was always cold. The food was the food was not great. Uh, we we lived in tents, you know. Yeah, I remember. Camp. Yeah. But at the at the scout camp on the other side of the state, they had flush toilets at every campsite like they had cabins. They were living large. And so we're all sitting around the camp and I'm like, you know, trying to compliment them being like, yeah, you know, you guys have a really nice setup here. You got you got your flush toilet. You got your cabins. You know, your your uh, toilet seats are heated. They weren't, but, you know, in my mind. <laughs> um, yeah. And later I found out that I was getting bad mouth because they didn't like that. Uh, they that I didn't think their camping experience was rustic enough. So I learned a valuable uh, lesson about, um, putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like this, this thing too, of like, um, you know, wanting your experience to be a certain way and like wanting it to be bad as a, as a way to oh, somehow yes. prove your grit. To which prove I, how tough you are. And yeah. You know, yeah. 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 It's like, yeah. oh, people, people don't want that. I'm like, oh my God. Interesting. yeah. Uh, um, so
1: you mentioned that you had a strong sense of right and wrong. Um, what do you have to say about that?
0: Oh. Well, this is a you story. This is a basketball story. So when oh. yeah, so we played basketball, started playing basketball in what the 3rd grade and you coached but we were we were not very good. We were not good. No, no, I remember that. But we had a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Uh oh jeez. So anyway, you were an honorable an honorable father growing up for sure for sure for sure uh except for this one time. Uh uh we were in we were playing a basketball game and we were I think like close Closer to winning than we maybe ever had. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think I know the story. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so you're, you're sat there and you're like, all right, Ian, here's the deal. We need them to not be able to score. And so one of the ways that you can do that is by doing an intentional foul and getting them to the line. Now you're not going to hurt them. You're not, like all you're going to do is just lightly grab the wrist and you're going to draw an intentional foul. And I was not <laughs> into that. I was like absolutely not. That is literally against the rules. <laughs> Are you out of how How could you, my father, ask me, your child, to do this thing for you? Absolutely not. And you're like, it's part of the game. And I'm like, it is not part of this game. Absolutely (laughs) I remember that. I remember that, but I think it was funny because it's like you know where did I where did I learn this sense of like right and wrong? It's like I learned it from you, Dad. Uh, yeah, I remember. I, I and I saw the
1: whole. I saw everything as as it was rolling out. And what was worse? Did you remember? I try. I just asked if anybody was willing to do it. And after you gave that speech, nobody was willing to do an intentional foul. <laughs> it was like ethics and leadership all wrapped. Into one little eighth <laughs> grade basketball scenario.
0: <laughs> That's excellent. That I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I wasn't running around getting in trouble as a kid. I was. I was pretty adamant yep, on not yep, doing. I remember.
1: That. Uh, good one. Good one. Yeah. yeah. We have um, haven't really focused on compare and contrast. I have a couple yeah. of notes on that. Um, one is, of course. This this story that you've talked about ah uh, that you had a very high level of concern about things that might get you into trouble, I remember that. I mean, I mean, you crystallized that for me, and I think from my story and maybe some previous ones that I think I didn't have quite such a high regard for those thoughts. Um, what do you? Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think also like I feel like a weird kid because of this sense that I had. I mean, there are diary entries, too, where, like, I'm with a bunch of kids, and they're, like, bad-mouthing the other kids, and I'm sat there being like, no, this is wrong. <laughs> yes. So, that didn't last. I mean, yeah, no, <laughs> I did I <laughs> Didn't make it into adulthood. <laughs> didn't make it... I mean, like, there. I still have a hard time um, trespassing. That was, like, a problem. In, like, I was, I was in college during the big, like, parkour... Uh, when parkour was really Uh, big and everybody was like let's climb buildings and i was like let's not (laughs) um so it still pops up in 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 areas not to you know poo-poo anybody who climbs a building i I think it's really fun and cool and you get to see some cool heights but uh or cool cool sites but it uh it always never it was never for me um but yeah, no, i and I, I kind of there's this element, you're like, I don't you know where did I get that how did that how did that happen i'm that might be a a better question for my therapist yeah. than for a podcast <laughs> yeah. yeah, um but that is definitely a difference yeah. for sure
1: on the lighter side, um I should have brought this up when you mentioned it, but um you were talking about your friend who was testing the water. Uh, to see if you could skate on it over at the local pond, Uh, that sounded like they were doing something very similar to what I and my friends were doing as a kid, which was the uh, now almost fail-safe method for checking to see if the water is safe. That I'm putting (laughs) as a definitely a uh, similarity between generations.
0: Yes. Testing the ice is a duty that has been passed down from child to child (laughs) for better or worse for better or worse yeah no i mean like i think with both of our pond swamp situations that these were very shallow ponds that the worst thing that can happen is you just get all of a sudden you're in ice mud and i i think it was the kind of thing too of like he would go out and it would always be it's just a little slushy a little slushy a little unpleasant but You get that good first skate-in, and uh, I imagine there's nothing like it. That's right. Do you have any? I think the songs are a really fun and interesting part of our stories. I have strong memories of passing down both camp songs and schoolyard songs to one another. I remember coming up with songs with my friends, so I think that that's definitely a, a strong comparison Um, Make believe among young people. That's kind of an interesting one because I feel like among my group of friends, I'm one of the only people who really grew up with a lot of make believe experience versus I don't even want to say this versus playing video games
1: oh okay okay yeah yeah let's not touch that's a real hot button yeah. i mean
0: but that being <laughs> said like there were some really beautiful games and games that have continued to come out and like i think about ocarina of time that i i never played ocarina of time growing up as a kid and now my peers have such strong and beautiful memories of playing um, these games growing up and so I think it's just kind of a better way to maybe frame it is thinking about it as these different art forms that video games have really were but are these beautiful pieces of art maybe we should like reconsidering our relationship to kids playing video games um, and what sort of effect that had on them as as adults yeah I think we should be open-minded to that mm-hmm I think that that's probably a good place to leave us off. I think these sense, big sense of right and wrong, of childhood wonder, of, of, uh, of imagination, of ghosts, of carnivorous bugs. I really enjoyed talking to you today, Dad.
1: Yeah, it was fun.
0: Well, we'll talk again next week. And next week, we're going to talk about forts.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. I know about forts. Yep. Now I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Oh, I love you very much. I love you, too. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Great big gobs of greasy, grimy gopher guts, mutilated monkey meat, little dirty, birdie feet, French fried eyeballs, swimming in a pool of blood. And I forgot my spoon, but I've got a straw. (laughs) (laughs) I love that.